This is episode five of the Average Football Enjoyers. I'm Jason. I'm joined today with Dan. I am Dan. Who's also joined with Rob. Hi. And then we are also joined with Reese. Say hi, Reese. He's camera shy. Hi. I'm sorry. Hi. 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 <laughs> we are very excited because today is the last week of fantasy football. If you're in a good league, if you're in a bad league, you've got something next week. Maybe you're worried about DraftKings. Who knows? But this is it. So we're going to go game by fucking game, giving you everything you need to know about it. And then we're going to tell you some even some player predictions by the game. First off, I'm just going to have to cut and lose the energy completely because this Vegas website doesn't show a Thursday night game. It only Yeah, shows- I don't think there's a Thursday there's, this there's week. There's no Thursday night game. Okay. Or Saturday. It just starts on Sunday. Yep. Yeah, sun- Sunday and then Monday. Okay. So we don't have to edit anything. I'm just going to be a dumbass on my own, uh, our own show um, because that's what this is about. Um we have no Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night games, probably because of college football, I imagine. We're starting fresh on Sunday. First game, according to Vegas Insider, we've got the Raiders traveling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. I think um, the Colts definitely win this game. The Raiders suck right now. They suck terribly. And Jonathan Taylor, of course, is the highest scoring player. Rob, what do you think? On average, the Indianapolis Colts are scoring a touchdown more than the Raiders are a game. And on average, the Colts are giving up a touch, uh, five points, but basically a touchdown less than the Raiders per game. The, uh, the wild card is, of course, that the Omicron has got to Carson Wentz. And so the new starter for the Indianapolis Colts this weekend is Sam Ellender from Texas who doesn't profile terribly, but I don't remember Texas being good in the past four years. Um, You know, take that for what you will. But Indianapolis opened a seven and a half point favorites. They're now down to three point favorites with the Carson Wentz news. I take Indianapolis at home still. Yeah, even if Sam Ellinger kind of sucks, his only job is to hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor. Um, Rob, who do you think is going to score the most points? Maybe why as well. If you take the Colts, you got to take Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he takes more than half the upside in that offense. Um, however, uh, you can also have Michael Pittman in the conversation. I had him in the conversation as a top receiver this week, uh, pre Wentz being out. Uh, but with the Tom Savage corollary, you know, we know that even bad quarterbacks uh, target their alpha at similar rates to the uh, starting quarterbacks. True. Colts wide receivers usually end up being dart throws. Dan, do you have any fun takes for this game? Yeah. So my, my take and, and the whole Carson Wentz stuff, there's, I've actually read reports that Colts have actually called Phillip rivers to see if he is potentially in football shape enough to sign for the Colts to play while, um, while Carson Wentz is out. So that could be interesting to see Phillip rivers suit up again, if that happens. Uh, but my take is, um, is, is really, I think that this game is like pretty close. Um, I think that um, 
if we're looking at it as a matchup of quarterbacks, I'll take Derek Carr even over like uh, old Phillip Rivers. I, I don't know if I would say that that the Raiders will win this game, but I think that this game is probably more important to the Raiders than it is the Colts. Uh, so I think that it, it's a recipe for it to be closer than 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 maybe it should be. That's a good take. That's a good take. Reese, what do you think? Um, I'm going to roll with the overperforming, in my opinion, Raiders this season. Um, I think they're going to, like Dan said, this game is a little bit more important to them. Um, and I think they're going to win. And I think that's going to be in part due to the fact that Carson Wentz is not going to be playing. Um, and I will take probably Jonathan Taylor to perform the, the best in, in a fantasy uh, world. Wow, look at us. We just love Jonathan Taylor. How crazy and unique. He's a stud, though. He's so good. He's literally just so good. Second year. And um, it's been pointed out by Rob many times, somehow younger than Najee Harris. So perhaps plenty more years of Jonathan Taylor domination. We'll move on to our next matchup, uh, which probably will suck. It's the New York Giants heading to Chicago to take on the Bears. Um, honestly, I don't even want to lead this conversation or I have no thoughts formed on this one yet. Uh, Rob, can you speak on this game? Absolutely. Uh, do we know if Daniel Jones is back? I think he's out for season. Oh, let's find out. Yeah, he is. He is on player profiler. One week ago, they, he will miss the remainder of the 2021 season after team moved him to injured reserve. So Mike Glennon will be the starting quarterback for the New York Giants, who were already really bad. Mike Glennon! And that's what you, what you have for the Giants. Yeah, I mean, what's the line? Um, sorry, let me find it here. Oh, six and a half point favorite Chicago open as I, I would not really take Chicago beating any team by six and a half. Uh-huh. Uh, but if there is a team they could beat by six and a half, it's the giants. Uh, and, and they're in, in Chicago for what it's worth. I think there's data showing uh, the past couple of years, it's been about 50, 50, like there's no data showing there's any such thing as home field advantage anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so uh, I think I think I take the Giants against the spread here uh, with giving six and a half points. Nice. So you take the Giants winning or just covering the spread? Just covering. I could easily see Chicago winning. And then they could easily – I mean, they could blow up too. I mean, they have some pretty prolific players that are just having really not prolific seasons. Yeah. Uh, Dan, what do you think? Uh, yeah, this, this, this game is just really just two teams. You just cannot trust. I feel like, like this, this, this matchup just reminds me of like, basically like, it's like a shit bowl. Like it's just a bunch of shit. And honestly, when, when things are a bunch of shit, uh, my take is if it's Brown flush it down. So I take the giants to win this game. Um, but if big Dick Nick is playing for Chicago, I think that this, I, I, I agree. It'll be a lot closer of a game. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Is yeah. there, is there a reason why Nick Foles would not be playing? Uh, if Justin Fields is back. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, okay. So he, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, if it's Brown, flush it down, I guess. I could see yeah. the Giants. Uh, I could see the Giants taking this for sure. I'll go with my highest scoring player for this game, Kadarius Tony. He's coming off nine <laughs> targets last week. I think Kadarius Tony gets 11 targets, nine catches, 186 yards, and three touchdowns this week against the Chicago Bears in Chicago. Reese, what do you think? Uh, I think we've been waiting on a line like that from Kadarius Tony all season. Or I guess you have because you own him in our league together. Um, but I, that's simply not going to happen because it's going to be Mike Lennon throwing the football. And I would love to look it up, but I don't, I don't have it available right now. Um, but I don't think Mike Lennon has ever thrown a to one certain one specific receiver ever thrown ten yards per pass average, um, and that would be well over ten yards a pass to Tony for eight hundred eighty six yards on nine catches, or actually be just under. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just don't see that happening. Um, I like the Bears to win, even if Fields is back. I think Fields and Foles, either way, they win. Um, I don't think they win by six. I think the Giants probably cover, maybe win by like four. Um, if they can beat the Seahawks, they can beat the Giants, right? That's how the NFL works, I think. Um, and if that's the case, I think uh, David Montgomery is going to be the highest scoring player. So congrats to Robbie because he's going to score 22 points this week. Wow. I think he actually had 22 points exactly last week. So maybe 23 this week. Well, Herbert did uh, steal one of his touchdowns, so he yeah. has a higher ceiling than what we saw last week. Wow, look at that. Or maybe Khalil Herbert will steal a touchdown every game. Oh, very possible, but you play, you play for the possible upside. It's true, it's true. We'll move on to our next match, which uh, also probably not very fun, but sometimes the Jets do Jets things, especially against Tom Brady, who – with the Buccaneers are traveling to New York to play the Jets. Uh, looks like Tampa Bay is currently a 13 and a half point favorite. That makes sense. I'll follow it. The Buccaneers should definitely win this game. I'll go with the take that it'll be close for sure. Uh, and the highest scoring player in half PPR will be Antonio Brown, who gets probably around 25 points this week. Dan, what do you think? Uh, yeah. Um, I think that this game is just, I think this has a blowout written all over it. I, I have really no faith in the jets at all. Um, I, this might be my hot take is I don't think Zach Wilson in three years is a quarterback in the NFL. Um, I didn't like him coming out of college. I don't think he really has the game IQ or really even the fundamentals to last in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I this this has blowout written all over it, and there's really I know that that um, Carter's back, and he he's could potentially have a, a good game, high scoring point game in terms of fantasy. Um, but I, I I agree with the Antonio Brown. I think that I think that he, especially with Evans and Godwin out, um, and Brady loves him. He lives in Brady's house, right? Yeah, is, that's what it is. <laughs> he he's he's living in the spare bedroom of Brady's house. I I, I like the or the I like the Bucks in a blowout here. Okay, Rob. By principle, and this is the worst version of this principle. It's just sickening. But by principle, you take the home dog 
at more than 10 points. And, and the Jets are getting 12 and a half. Mm-hmm. There are two NFL teams. I know they're two very different NFL teams. Uh, and I actually made this same bet last season uh, with the Lions against the Bucks, And the Bucks just blew them out by like 30. And, you know, I can definitely see that happening again. But I'm taking the Jets at 12 and a half points. Got Michael Carter back. Maybe have Eli Moore back. Uh, Tom Brady could get put on the COVID list at any moment. Uh, and so could anybody else. So could Ronald Jones or Keyshawn Vaughn. And then the rest of your running backs are on IR. Uh, and your backup quarterback's Blaine Gabbert. Uh, so, you know, take the Jets at 12 and a half if you can get 12 and a half at any point in the week because anything can happen. That's value. Nice. So Rob's take is that the entire Buccaneers will get sick with COVID <laughs> and then the Jets that, will that it is the possible. And therefore you have to take the value 12 and a half points. They're giving the Jets. That's Murphy's only, law right there. Yeah. Not only are we capitalizing on the hype of fantasy football right now, we're capitalizing on the hype of Omicron today on the average football enjoyers. <laughs> Reese, Oh, what do you think about this game? Uh, first of all, I think it should be pointed out that the jacket that Rob is wearing is just absolutely beautiful. And every man, woman, and child should yearn to own such a beautiful jacket. Moving on. Um, this game is going to be a blowout. But in the NFL, 10 points is a blowout. So I think Robbie's kind of onto something here. I like the Jets to cover. 13 and a half is a big number. And like he said, they're getting back Eli Moore. Michael Carter played really well last week. He had like 120 yards in his first game back, which is kind of crazy. Or his first game starting back, I think. So that's cool. Um, so I'll take I'll take the Jets to cover. Um, but I think A.B. may have like 200 yards. I think A.B. is going to pop off. I, I did some like some really basic math earlier to figure out what uh, A.B.'s season would have looked like if he would have played – uh, the, in the nine games that he missed. And he would have been like the number 17, uh, like out of all flex positions, he would have been like the number 17 fantasy producer of the season. So mm. having a pretty good year and he's pretty old, but I think uh, I saw someone wrote like a little thread on Twitter about how he's the type of receiver that uh, Brady pr- has preferred over his career over like a Chris Godwin or a Mike Evans. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, I say that all that to say, I think AB is going to have 200 yards this week against the Jets and they're going to win by like 10 or 11 points. Nice. Nice. I love that take. I think everyone's excited for this one. I'm going to make my own sound effect. I'm going to actually wait for Reese to get back because this is the hottest take in this show's history. Um, so stay tuned. um reese had to step away to take out the trash we'll come back for the hot take but again stay tuned we're moving on to the cardinals we're moving on we're literally not even going to finish the one o'clock slate we're just jumping straight to the four o'clock slate (laughs) the cardinals are traveling to dallas to beat the cowboys for sure and the highest scoring player will be none other than kyler murray who will post 46 and a half points in standard QB scoring. 
Uh, currently, Dallas is a five and a half point favorite. That doesn't matter. Uh, Cardinals winning this game. Rob, what say you? The Cardinals haven't looked the same since losing D Hop. Uh, this is game in Dallas. Dallas getting five and a half points. Uh, I will say that the Cardinals were a complete team with D Hop. Now they are a team uh, really in need of an alpha receiver. Uh, Christian Kirk has stepped up, uh, definitely. Um, and I think that they could easily cover five and a half. So I'll take Arizona. And I think that uh, the highest scorer from this game may not be uh, from Arizona's side. It may be uh, C.D. Lamb or Zeke Elliott. Okay. Dan? Um, yeah, I think, I think five and a half points is just way too high for this game. Uh, I, I, this is the type of game I – that has shootout written all over it. This is going to go down to the last drive. Whoever has the ball last is going to kick the game-winning field goal, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a three-point game no matter which way it swings. Cardinals five and a half, like plus five and a half, is a lock. I would, I'm, I'm selling, I'm taking out a mortgage and then selling the mortgage to put on that bet to pay for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I do think Arizona wins this game for the sole reason of you, like. They've lost three straight. I, I I know that there's a narrative like, oh, like Cliff Kingsbury, like he can't like do a second half of the season, blah, blah, blah. I I think that I think the offense is too good, even without D Hop. I mean, they have depth. You you still have um what's his name? Um Moore or what what's Rondale his name? Moore. Yeah, Rondale Moore. Uh AJ Green's been serviceable. And then Kirk obviously can step up to the plate. I, I think this has Cardinals win um, written all over it in a, in a bounce back game. Yeah, for sure. I think that's an incredible take. It is um, Arizona, by the way, did clinch their playoff spot. So it isn't even like a must win. Um, but it just feels like one of those games where Dallas just coming off. I think they put up like 56, something incredible like that. They're not going to maintain that. That's just not how it works. They're going to come back to the floor next week. And Arizona will take advantage of that. Our next four o'clock game, for some reason, even though it's two Eastern teams, the Carolina Panthers are playing the Saints in New Orleans. Not much to say about this game. Saints (laughs) are seven and a half point favorites, which I think is ridiculous. This has like uh, 17 to 15 written all over it or like even like 12 to 7 like just some terrible abomination of a football game coming our way with this game i think the panthers win the game uh as the underdog i'll say chuba hubbard no i'm not gonna say chuba hubbard uh dj moore has a great week this week against new orleans and uh gets you know what He's not even going to get over 20 points, but he'll still be the highest scoring fantasy player in this match. Robbie, what's up? You're absolutely out of your mind for taking the Panthers in this game, dude. Okay. <laughs> Can I say something? But I can't figure out who is the Saints quarterback. Right. <laughs> Who's their quarterback this week? I don't know. <laughs> Let me look. Let me look on player pro. If Taysom Hill is out with just COVID, I mean, it, if he was unvaxxed, then he's probably still out. If he is back, Simeon, 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 maybe. I guess. Okay, okay, he'll be it's back. It's not going to be Ian Book, I don't think. 
Okay, okay. So as, as long as it's not Ian Book, right? Mm-hmm. Think about who the Panthers are, man. With the, no, no Christian McCaffrey. They have DJ Moore, but their quarterback is Sam Darnold. How could you ever bet on Sam Darnold? It's Sam Darnold. Man, and he's never Sam. won. He's never won. What did USC win in the last seven years And when Sam Darnold was their quarterback for four of them? Nothing at all. Number one, he didn't win. And number two, wherever he goes, he puts them in shambles. Well, in, like terrible spot in New York. And, and, and now he's in Carolina and nobody can do anything. DJ Moore, 10 targets, only five catches. That's probably not DJ Moore's fault. <laughs> Anyways, I yeah, I think the Saints win 21 to three. All right. All right. Dan, what do you think? Uh, it, it, I, I would not be surprised if there's not a single touchdown scored in this game. I, I and I, I, the Saints haven't scored. Uh, I, 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 the Saints literally are struggling to put up points, even with Taysom Hill at quarterback. Uh, the the Panthers have Sam Darnold. We all know he's seeing ghosts twenty four seven. He's he's terrible, getting paid twenty million dollars for who who knows what. Um, this, this I I think the Panthers are going to cover just because I don't know if a touchdown is going to be scored. Right. I, and they both have decent defenses too. I mean, like this is it, there's going to be a lot of punting, a lot of three and outs. Um, yeah. So I guess I'll take Carolina to cover. But I, I, I who wins this game? Uh, I, I honestly, I honestly couldn't tell you. I guess I'd give the edge to the Saints, uh, just because of Alvin Kamara. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I agree. It's like, this is like, this is literally going to be a fucking shit show. Like I don't, I normally like to watch most games. I don't, I don't want to watch this game. I'll be very happy when it's over and I won't even have watched it. That's how bad it's going to be. Uh, our next and matchup. You should note that the saints, however small, still have a chance to make the playoffs at seven and eight. They do, and they're going to lose to the Panthers and lose that chance at making the playoffs. Panthers are on a five-game losing streak. Perfect. Here's here's a question that I want to pose to both of you. Okay. Uh, Is Matt Rule out as head coach at the end of the season for Carolina? Yes, definitely. I don't think so. I don't think that really anybody's blaming him right now for for the disaster of a roster that he has and the fact that he lost Christian McCaffrey for the whole season again uh I mean do you guys really blame Matt Rule uh I guess not but I don't think GMs think like that uh they expect well yeah they have an incentive to blame put the blame on the coach right right Right. So, I mean, it's, they, they expect a coach to do well, even if the team sucks. I mean, I guess, Hey, they are going to beat the saints this week. So maybe he does keep his job, you know, um, for a GM, how much control over the roster do you give the coach? I think coaches should be GMs. I think the Bill Belichick example should be followed more across the NFL, the head coach, needs more power and it's like they shouldn't like like the general manager adds too much like tape to cut through in the nfl like a head coach shouldn't be like 
making an argument to sign a player. A head coach should be able to sign a player that they want for their squad because they're the head fucking coach. Dan? Uh, the one thing I'll say to that is you, for every Bill Belichick that you have, you have a Bill O'Brien who, who was a decent coach, was doing great with the Texans, makes lots of boneheaded trades, and now you know their franchise is back three, four years. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I I think that it can work, um, but I also, you know, if there if it's too much on a, on the coach's plate to be dealing with like contract negotiations and trading and all that stuff, I think that maybe it is okay to have a GM to separate those responsibilities out. That is fair. It is player to player. Reese, what's up? Dan, what is the most egregious trade in your opinion that Bill O'Brien ever made with the Texans? Uh, definitely the DeAndre Hopkins trade, for sure. Mm-hmm. What do you think was bad about it? Uh, that he traded away literally his best player for someone who is like kind of like a below average uh, running back. Yeah, completely washed. It's not even with the Texans anymore. So it's like, what? Did what? What, pick, what did that? Did they not get a pick out of it too? Uh, did they might have. I don't, I don't know. I'd have. I'd have to look that up. But it's it just like, um, I mean, it should probably be looked up, but it doesn't even matter. Got a second and a fourth. As yeah, well. that's what. Yeah, yeah. I thought that's what I was gonna say. Why he traded a fourth? Yeah, it was like D Hop and a fourth for a second and a fourth, and David Johnson. D Hop yeah. and a fourth for a. Uh, David Johnson's a second and a future fourth. Yeah. So, so I mean, David Johnson was, I mean, considered I, a little I, bit better a year ago. Even though I, I just think the context of that trade is they had just made it to the second round of the playoffs or whatever. Maybe it was the first round of the playoffs. They were up against the Chiefs. So, you know, it was, uh, it was definitely they choked it, but there was no reason to try to blow up the core that you had um, in that situation. Mm-hmm. So, I, but I think at the time, didn't D-Hop basically say that, like, he wanted out no matter what, like, no matter how that was going to happen? Uh, if he did, I th- that, that might be true. I don't know. I just remember reading that, like, all the players hated the, the GM that they had. I don't know if that included uh, D-Hop, but I don't know. I don't know if I think it was that bad of a trade for them. Um, to, a second-round pick is really valuable. And D Hop is like what thirty two now. Mm-hmm. Who did they yeah. pick? Now, I mean, not I that a... we can evaluate Bill O'Brien based on who they picked in the future, because oh, it was a twenty twenty second round pick. Let's see what they used it for. Yeah, I know they took Davis Mills in the third round. Who they did not be too terrible. So, all right, I'm looking right run. now, and it was oh. Ross Blacklock, nose tackle from TCU. Wow. Oh, that's pretty bad. <laughs> that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. <laughs> Ooh, a 4940, though, for a DT. That's not bad. Is he playing now? I, I mean, I don't watch too much Texans. I don't but... know. Let's see. Uh, solo tackles five. Wow. Oh, that's twenty twenty. Oh, I guess he hasn't played it all this season. <laughs> good guy. That's uh, not good though. 
I'm trying to see if that was their pick. Oh no, from Arizona. Yeah, that was the that was the uh, D Hop pick. Wow. So I don't know, fringe D tackle. Jeez, you probably take like a gamble pick if you're. Yeah, play. definitely not going for a fringe D tackle in the second round. I mean, the pick after him was Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> so, literally the next wow. pick. So. Like, wow. Like, wow. And then, like, <laughs> 10 picks Taylor. later, ten, like, 10 picks down from that was Trayvon Diggs. Like, Jeez. 10. Yeah. L. L. <laughs> um, yeah. We've got a minute left in our call, so we've got to start a new call. I promised a hot take. So we'll have it right when we get back. Uh, stay tuned. Still. Da-na-na, da-na-na. We're all ready. We're back in the new call. And we're ready for some fucking hot takes. We're moving back to the one o'clock slate. We have the Atlanta Falcons traveling to Buffalo to take on the Bills as 14 and a half point underdogs. 14 and a half points. That's ridiculous. I say that because the Falcons are going up to Buffalo and smacking the shit out of the Bills and winning this game by six points. It'll be like 16 to 10, something like that. Uh, no, No chance the Buffalo Bills win this game. Highest scoring player will be none other than A.J. Terrell in IDP leagues, who will have a pick six and another interception, as well as two passes broken up as he locks down Stephon Diggs. Dan, what do you think? Um, so I think that Atlanta loses this, but I think this is an easy cover. Um, this line originally actually opened up at 13 and a half, and now it's at 14 and a half. And I think that's actually kind of a big difference when you talk about a line like two score versus three score, essentially. Um, And asking someone to beat a a team, I don't care who it is, in the NFL by three scores, that's a tall, tall task. Um, I think that they maybe lose by 10 or something like that. I think the highest scoring player in this game, probably Josh Allen. I think that he gets a couple touchdown passes. Um, But overall, I think that – I don't think this is – necessarily a three score blowout and i think i think the falcons have have enough to stay at least stay competitive in this mm-hmm. reese what do you think falcons fan um i don't think the falcons have enough to stay in this but i didn't think that for like six out of the seven wins that we have this season so um i don't know i kind of feel weird about it i feel like atlanta keeps it close um, I, I don't think I read something about Josh Allen's, uh, status being in question, but for some reason, I just ha- think I did. He's good to go. Right. I imagine. Okay. So yeah, I think Atlanta keeps it close. I think they cover 14 and a half. I, I don't see Atlanta winning the game. Um, I'll take digs to go for like 125 yards, maybe, mm-hmm. um, I, that, I don't think that puts him as the highest scoring performer, though. I think Allen probably rushes for a touchdown and probably throws like 250, 275 yards. So I think Allen probably scores more points. But I think Diggs is going to be the biggest flex position player for sure. Okay. That's fair, Rob. 
similar to Dan, uh, you know, the, the Bills are scoring 28 points a game. Uh, the Falcons are scoring 18. Uh, and it pretty much is, is similar for defense, a similar picture. The Falcons are just overall worst team. They're playing in Buffalo. It's really cold. I don't know how big Josh Allen's hands are versus Matt Ryan's, but they're probably about the same size. So we can't really probably won't be able to use that one. But I think the Falcons cover, no doubt. And I think the Falcons, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> coming off a win in Detroit. Uh, could even keep it close for a little bit. So, and you know that that you know they're. Uh, I don't think it's all the way in their hands, but I think if you went out, you've got like a 50-50 shot at the playoffs. So they're still, they're still. Yeah, close. basically, they just need uh, the Eagles to lose out. If I think if the Eagles win a game, the Falcons are eliminated. But if oh, the okay. Eagles if the Eagles lose out and the Falcons win out, and I think Minnesota has to lose one game. Then the Falcons are in. Okay, so it, so chances are looking slim, very slim. But there, you know. But the Eagles have net have not beaten a team with a positive record this season. Similar to similar to us, we haven't beaten a team with a positive record. Neither of the Eagles. So, and I think they play like uh, who are they playing this week? Oh, they're playing Washington. Damn, never mind. Uh, yeah. So eat well. So the problem with the Falcons is they've won more win than the Eagles and one more win than the 49ers. There's only two spots left. Uh, the wild card team will probably have seven or eight losses. However, the Falcons lost to both of those teams. So don't they, even if either of them lose, uh, don't they just lose that head to head playoff qualifier? Um, what It's you, division you, record first as a tiebreaker. It is. It's not head to head. It should, yeah, it should be NFC record. Okay, cool. So then uh, maybe. But, but so the Eagles are what, eight and seven? Eight so and if seven. They go, so if we go nine and eight and they go eight and nine, then we're in. Right, yeah, but they had to, yeah, no, yeah. I was just, you were saying like if they only lost one game. No, no, I think the Eagles have to lose two no matter what. Yeah, so I mean they could, they just beat the football. Be, because of the head-to-head. I think you're right. I think there is a head-to-head factor that goes before the NFC uh, or I guess divisional factor. So I think it depends on how many uh, teams are tied. So if it's two teams that are tied for the same record, then head to head goes first. But if it's three teams that are tied with the same record and they all haven't played each other, then the head to head is scrapped and then something else goes first. Okay. Well, yeah, unfortunately for us, we've played every team in the hunt except for the Vikings. So we will probably have to win out regardless and still need some help. Yeah. Or they will we'll keep the bias out of it. The Falcons, they will have to win out and they will have to rely on other results in order to make it in. Well, I mean, so they're playing the Bills this week and then who they have next week? Uh, Saints at home, I think. At home. So they can win out nine and eight. They're going to beat the Bills, no doubt. And then um, I don't know about the Saints. That's a tough to- – that's that's tough. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. We'll see what happens in the NFC player picture. We talked about that in last week's episode. Uh, moving on to our next game, the team I think that will slip into that final spot of the playoff picture is the Philadelphia Eagles, who will be traveling to the football team. They are four-point – favorites 
which I think is fair. They did just beat the football team, although it was uh, with – I don't even – I literally don't even remember who was starting. Uh, but someone not good was starting for the football team because both Heineke and Kyle Allen were out. Um, so who knows if Heineke's back, which he should be. They could probably keep it closer, but the Eagles just feel they're really hot right now. They win even if Jalen Hurts performs poorly. I think Jalen Hurts goes out there and gives a good game, maybe 200 yards passing, 100 yards rushing, a touchdown for both of those. I think uh, Eagles win 23-14. Reese, what do you think? Um, okay, so at the beginning, when you were talking about who was starting for the Washington football team, were you talking about the first time they played Philly or last weekend when they played – or this weekend when they played Dallas? They Philly. Okay, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Was that on Thanksgiving? I, uh, no, I, don't I don't think, think so. so. Don't Anyways, um, yeah, I'll take Philly. I'll take Philly to win by five. So I'll take them to, to cover minus four. Um, Washington, quite honestly, has nothing to play for. Um, they don't even – I think Heineke's like on the verge of losing his starting job to Kyle Allen. A lot of chaos in that on that whole roster and organization as a whole. And Philly's playing for a playoff spot. So we'll take Philly to win by like five or six, maybe even more. Um, definitely going to cover minus four. And I'll take Devontae Smith to go f- like the same line he had last week. I'll go six catches, 87 yards, and a touchdown. Nice. Nice. Dan, what do you think? Um, this this game's a little hard for me because I, I feel like that like this season has been the tale of two Washingtons like the like and it, and it really it's live or die by by Taylor Heineke really because he he can just randomly have just like a crazy game and and love him or hate him he 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 goes for throws like he he's not afraid to sling it even if it's a terrible pass and it turns out to be an interception the man will sling it and he 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 does what it takes to win and I, I at least I admire those traits in a quarterback even though he's not that good um but so this game's really a toss-up to me especially since it's a divisional matchup like like late in the season um I I I, I you know the gut the gut uh, the logic should say Philadelphia but my gut is almost telling me, okay, Washington has lost three straight. You know, maybe this is a comeback game against a, a, a divisional rival. So I'll say Washington wins this one just to um, just to be different than everyone else, but this could really go either way. Okay. And um, Rob, what are your thoughts? I think that three and a half is the right spread for this game. Uh Philadelphia has the best, one of the best, actually the best statistically rushing offense in the league, uh, 2,400 rushing yards so far. Uh, Washington has one of the worst defenses in the league, giving up um, third most points uh, against them in the league. Mm -hmm. However, they have a top 10 rushing defense. They're bad against the pass, but they're pretty good against the rush. So I think that they could end up shocking Philadelphia, who has a bottom of the league passing defense. So I'll take Philadelphia to cover, but I could see Washington winning uh, similar to Danny. Nice. Nice. Our next game, also pretty huge for the playoff picture. The Chiefs are traveling to Cincinnati. 
The Chiefs have clinched their playoff spot. Bengals are sitting right now at nine and six, which is leading the AFC North very shakily. Um, and basically everyone else in the AFC picture is at nine and six, except for one team is at eight and seven. But um, that just goes to show this would be a great game. Kansas City, five-point favorites, which I think is probably pretty high. This has shootout written all over it. Cincinnati just went fucking off last week. Joe Burrow set one of the best passing yards in NFL history last week. T. Higgins went off. Jamar Chase went off. Tyler Boyd went off. Joe Mixon went off. The Bengals right now, the first team in NFL history to have a quarterback with over 4,000 passing yards, two receivers with over 1,000 yards, and a running back with over 1,000 yards. That's good. Um, and they're the home team. So they're going to beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs don't have to win this game. They've clinched their playoff spot. They're two games ahead. Basically, they're only one game ahead of the Titans, but again, the, we've said it before, the Titans aren't really a five-loss team. They can definitely lose their games. So the Chiefs are probably getting that number one seed regardless. Bengals need this game. They're going to pull out on top. Highest scoring player, Jamar Chase, who goes for... 200 yards and two touchdowns rob what do you think you're the Bengals fan uh, yeah Bengals cover five and a half points i think they should be favorites they're awesome they're so awesome they're mm -hmm. so awesome and kansas city uh despite being a really good team is not as good as cincinnati cincinnati could easily win the afc and be in the super bowl True. Dan, what do you think? Uh, strongly, strongly, strongly disagree with both of you. And, and uh, let, let, let me tell you why right here. This Bengals team is – I've, I've watched almost every single Bengals game this season. This Bengals team is the story of inconsistency. Hmm. And, and they had a great game last week, not trying to take that away from them, but pretty much everyone on that Ravens secondary is essentially a practice squad player. That Ravens team is literally, I think, setting NFL records for man's game, man games missed mm -hmm. for how many injuries they've had this season. And so I, I, I look at this uh, Cincinnati team and the, the number one thing about this Cincinnati team and not not last week for sure, but mm -hmm. they get off to slow, slow starts mm -hmm. and their 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 first halves this season have not been that great. And so I think when you're talking about Kansas city, they're the best first half team in the NFL. They, they have not allowed a opposing team to score a touchdown in the first quarter or something. You might have to fact me out, check me on that, but they have not allowed opposing team to score a touchdown in the first quarter. So to me, this kind of plays right into Kansas city, Kansas City's strength. I think Kansas city covers this. I, I think they win by a touchdown. I agree. This is shootout territory. I think, I think that this is a very, very high scoring game. I think, uh, easily more than 50 points are scored in this game. Um, so what, what's, what's over under here? Not uh, for uh, uh, 49.5 is the over under. So I'm hitting that over. Um, but I think that the Cincinnati team is it's, it's good. It has bright future, but I think they're too young, too inconsistent against uh, offense and Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey's coming back. Um, and I, I just don't think that their defense is good enough to stop Kansas city. Fair enough. Reese. Um, okay. So I, I like a lot of things that Dan just said, and I just want to add to that. Um, 
I think Andy Reid is like the November slash December man, kind of like Bill Belichick. Um, and they, since November 14th, in the last seven, six games they've played in, um, they have covered their their spread. They've won by many more points than they've been uh, closing in at before the game started. So I definitely could see them winning this game uh, by, what is it, five points? Yeah, mm-hmm. five points. I could definitely see them winning this game by six points. Um, there's, I know you said they're not playing for anything, but, Jason, they're playing for the number one seed. I know you don't take – Tennessee seriously um, as as a contender for that number one seed, but Kansas City and Andy Reid will, and Patrick Mahomes will, um, and I think they're going to win, and I think they're going to win by six points probably. And, and I I really like what Dan said about Cincinnati being inconsistent, and I I still agree with Robbie. I think they're a contender for you know an AFC championship, um, but I I just don't I don't see it this week against Kansas City. Rob. Is it true that Pat Mahomes was the one that made the Chiefs draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? I believe so. Allegedly, yeah. If you're a GM, why would you let any player pretend to be a scout? I mean, Pat Mahomes is a great quarterback, but he's not a professional scout. No. No. That's a good point, Rob. That's a good point. I don't know any other example of, of a quarterback or a player handpicking a, a draft well, pick and then it turning out so, so poorly. And I mean, that's, like, that's not a first. They got so cute. Oh, we'll let our quarterback choose his running back. It'll be perfect. He'll know who would be the best for him because he just would have a sense for that. I'm trying to pull up his profile. Go ahead, Jason, while I find it. Well, I mean – we we don't know if Joe Burrow asked for Jamar Chase, but probably, and that worked out pretty well. Um, we've seen a lot of True. who knows how much like player input there is in this, but I mean, uh, Tua got Jalen Waddle, Hertz got Devonte Smith. Although I don't know if there was much Smith and Hertz crossover, because uh, I feel like I, there might have been, but I don't think like that much. If I think I, they won the national championship together. Yeah, but like Devontae Smith like broke out last year with Mac Jones, and then before that was Tua, and then was Jalen Hurts. So I mean, that was young Devontae Smith. I, you know, they might have a connection, but that was so long ago. I, that that one is a little bit more of a stretch to me. Although I guess they did play together. Dan, what do you think? I I so it, it, when it comes to quarterbacks picking players, I think. I think there's something to be said about the difference between a quarterback having input on a receiver versus having an input on a running back. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think that's that uh, CH is, was a great pick for the chiefs. I agree with that. Um, but I, I do think that, uh, uh, you know, a GM, if you're like, Oh, Hey, I'm thinking about drafting this wide receiver. I think having a quarterback's input on that is, is, you know, don't take it for gospel but I think it's good to at least be on the same page with your quarterback in terms of who you're going to draft as a receiver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To think that if they would have just let a professional scout tell them who they should take at running back, like uh, Indianapolis did, 
Okay, so here's here's a couple picks directly after Clyde Edwards Hilaire at 32. 33, T. Higgins. 34, Michael Pittman. 35, DeAndre Swift. Swift's a killer there. And to and I remember people thinking that Swift was overdrafted. Um yeah. at that and spot, which is hilarious. Just ridiculous. 55, J.K. Dobbins. You know, go down the list. 66, Antonio Gibson. 62, A.J. Dillon. Every single one of these running backs you'd rather have than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And he was he, he's not a terrible prospect. I mean, he's still a first-rounder. But look at what you gave up because you got cute and let your quarterback play scout for a day which I know that's what we're doing too, but you know. But we are scouts. We're professional scouts. Yeah. I mean, we do this for a, like, we do this for a little. Uh, we do it. Yeah. <laughs> we do it. We do it. We spend way too much of our time looking at football players, but that's okay because you, the audience, get to hear our takes uh, that we've spent way too much fucking time on (laughs) like why are we able to talk about every nfl team out of our ass (laughs) like every single one we have a take on and that's how much time we've spent and um but you know it's a beautiful thing and that's why we love it fantasy football is so fantastic reese you have something to say or is your hand just still up uh, I was just going to say I, about the 2020 draft, just before we move on, my favorite part of the 2020 draft is the fact that at 21, the Eagles took Jalen Rager and the Vikings on Zoom visibly laughed at them and drafted Justin Jefferson the next pick. That's so funny. I remember that. <laughs> Justin Jefferson, by the way, just broke the record for most receiving yards in a wide receiver's first two seasons. Goat territory. What a guy. He's a stud. Dan, will you trade him to me now that you're eliminated from the playoffs? I I think he might be at least untouchable for the foreseeable future. I get it. I get it. Uh, But, you know, if you think of something on my roster, send it my way. Um, All right. All right. I'll take a look. I would like him. That's the one player I wish I didn't trade away um he's so good he's just so fantastic on uh, the opposite end of good wide receivers our next matchup is the patriots hosting the jacksonville jaguars as 15 point favorites which is just ridiculous because even if the patriots win the game they're not winning by 15 um that's they don't do that even like literally even against bad teams they just don't do that because they bill belichick if they know they're gonna if he knows he's gonna win just starts doing, you know, running the clock, just, you know, trying to get the game over with. Um, Patriots win. They win by maybe 10. 15 is just a lot to ask for. Um, and the highest scoring player, if Ramondre Stevenson still has COVID, it'll be Damian Harris. If not, uh, just give me the Patriots defense as the highest scoring player. Dan, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with what you said. I think 15 and a half points is ridiculous, even though they did blow out the Browns, which made me cry. Uh, I think that might've been the only time the Patriots blew someone out that, that heavily. Um, not hundred percent sure, but yeah. Um, 
<laughs> uh, I think I think I think Jacksonville continues to suck, but I I don't think this is a fifteen and a half point blowout. Um, yeah, I really don't have much more to say about this game than that. Reese. So this season, just this season, with Mac Jones at quarterback, the Patriots have won one, two, three, four, five, six, six games by fifteen or more points. All oh, really? of which wow. all of which were much better teams than Jacksonville. Even the Jets, I think, are much better than Jacksonville. They're gonna beat them by fifteen points. They're gonna beat them by fifteen points and We'll say Jacoby Myers goes for 99 yards, almost eclipses 100, and yeah, they're going to beat him by like 16 or 17, maybe even 20. What teams? But they put they put up 40, 54 on the Jets the second time they played. They they beat them by 20 the first time they played. They beat the Falcons 25 to zero. Um, they beat the Panthers by 20 or by 18. They beat the Titans by 23. And that's it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Rob, what do you think about this game? Well, I actually had a lot of thoughts on this game, uh, but really I have more on Jacksonville. That's uh, fair. I think I think that the Patriots will handle the Jaguars, yes. Um, I was going to pose the question. If you're Jacksonville, and you have pick one, right? Do you take Trevor Lawrence in hindsight? Or is would it have been better to trade? Let's say hypothetically you got you could get next year's 101, which I don't think you can guarantee a pick, right? It's only in that round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, only the round. What if you I mean would you go back and trade for two first rounders? I mean, I feel like if you want, like it sucks because Trevor Lawrence is an unprecedented quarterback prospect. Like you have to take him. Yeah. But, but like you, at the same time, your team so obviously wasn't ready for this franchise quarterback. Like now your quarterback's taking hits and his morale is low and you could end up spoiling one of the greatest prospects we've seen in quite a while. And, and this is, we talked about it last week. This is why it was so fucking stupid to trade away Gardner Minshew or to just fucking let him walk. Like, what the hell? I don't care how automatic of a prospect someone is. You have a, a good quarterback in Gardner Minshew, someone who can mentor Trevor Lawrence for, I don't care if it's two games. Like, like, there's no point to throw Trevor Lawrence just out into the water when you have someone already literally just on their rookie contract still. Like, he like he wasn't even – like, his contract wasn't even expiring, and they just let Gardner Minshew go. Like, historically bad move by the Jacksonville Jaguars. No rhyme or reason for it. And it's obviously shown and taken some shine off Trevor Lawrence. But to answer your question, no, you don't trade back. You take Trevor Lawrence. Um you, you have to. Uh, it's the same reason the Colts took Andrew Luck when they could. When someone's that automatic and that, mu- that promising, you, you, take, you take that one. Um, Mac Jones, sure, good. But I would still rather have Trevor Lawrence today. Um, 
no matter what. Uh, I cede the floor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll say that I agree. I agree with everything you just said. And to add on, I think that when when you evaluate rookie quarterbacks, like who doesn't like pan out, who does pan out, it, I think that. It, and, and it's showing with Trevor Lawrence. I think that situation very much matters, like where the franchise is at. Like if you like look at the New York Jets and I'm not saying that Sam Donald was a great pick, but I, every time a trash franchise takes a, like a high, like just, you know, quarterback that's supposed to be really good. It always seems to just not pan out. So I, I feel like that uh, franchises have an obligation to uh, develop their quarterbacks and when they don't it's you can honestly squander even a talent like Lawrence just by bad management bad coaching bad etc 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 Rob (laughs) this is a video for the audience um it's Gardner Minshew hugging his dad. It's such a great video. We highly recommend looking it up. He's wearing sweatpants, a leather jacket with patches all over it, like a pilot's jacket. There's sirens. There's sirens. And his goatee is perfectly shaved. Like, okay, let's be honest. If you are a female, this is what you're looking for. <laughs> know what i mean i i agree i agree i don't know i feel like that's a man's man yeah (laughs) exactly i'm telling you they traded him away because he was getting way too many milfs in the jacksonville area and it's 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 fact it's it's gotta be fact they got rid of gardner Minshew because urban meyer wanted the milfs and that's and and so we finally uncovered the secret Urban Meyer needed that energy in his life and uh, was too scared, too frightened even Boom. of Gardner Minshew's power. Just Boom. so afraid Urban Meyer was. This town, that town was not big enough, truly. It's um, like um, old Western it would have been of Gardner Minshew and Urban Meyer, like a little draw. At, at noon, the high noon, they're looking each other in the eyes, just ready to like, like draw their revolvers and just <laughs> look at this. Wait, look did he go this. to? Did he go to last look chance? At look at this freaking crap, man. Thirty-nine to eleven. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Look at that. Are you kidding? Throwing sixty-four percent. He went eight and thirteen with the Jags, bro. With the Jags. You're like, kidding. You're kidding me. And they let him walk. I don't even think they traded him. I think they just let him walk. It was like maybe they got like a sixth rounder for him. Yeah, like That's crazy. So dumb. And Rob just made a great point in the chat. His middle name is Flint. Like, how could they not see it coming? Gardner Flint Minshew the second. Is there a more promising name in NFL history? No, no. Because that's such a cool name, and he has a cool mustache, and he and he and he's fine. What? Why? Why would you let him go? <sighs> Rob, your hand is up. 
Um, Can I get a moment of silence, please, for John Madden? Thank you. I don't know if there's ever been a worse time for a moment of silence, Um, but uh, Rob has just shared the news. His name is Flint. Okay, guys, now let's pray. (laughs) Dear Lord, dear Lord, please give him good passage. (laughs) Um, John Madden has passed away live on Average Football Enjoyers. Wow. As we were talking about Gardner Minshew. Yeah, truly, truly a legend of the game. Um, and uh, maybe NFL scouts will hear that and now equate Gardner Minshew with John Madden. And uh, he'll <laughs> sent to the right franchise. Um, yeah, sad news. Thank you for sharing. Sorry to our listeners if you just find out about that through us. Sorry, guys. And- Listen, we're here for you. Reach out. Yeah. Uh, we're in the comments section. Um, Did any of you watch here's... the Madden documentary that they had on Christmas Day? No. I, I, I had it on in the background. It was, it was, I didn't, wasn't fully paying attention, but it was really good. Seriously, please, anybody comment, please. It seemed fine. Yeah, it seemed like really fine. Uh, I remember Tom Brady or maybe, no, it was Bill Belichick was in it uh which seemed pretty cool Mm -hmm. um because bill belichick he'll really open up if you let him i saw a clip he talked for nine minutes just about long snappers and the history of that position um and you know something to be said about someone who understands football on that kind of level much like us four um i would equate all of us to bill belichick in some way (laughs) um uh, does anyone disagree? Aren't we all just Bill Belichick in some way? Yeah, we are. Yeah, basically. Basically. Rob, what do you think? I actually have a new talking point. Uh, oh, we got two minutes. I think we can cover it. Okay. Okay, so Bruce Arians has just tested positive for COVID-19, and the Bucks also placed cornerbacks Jamel Dean and cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting on the COVID-19 list. So taking the 14 and a half points against the Jets doesn't seem so outrageous now, does it? Not only Anything that can happen. Not only that, your prediction was literally that the entire Buccaneers would get COVID and the coach just tested positive for COVID. Look, I'm not a I'm not a magician. I mean, look, the virus spreads fast and you so, know, you know the, right. I've got a fun one before we go. We have a minute and 20 seconds. It'll be quick. Okay. Okay. So throwing to predominantly Kyle Pitts, Cordero Patterson, Russell Gage, Olamide Zacchaeus, and Tajay Sharp, Matt Ryan has produced the highest passer rating in the league on passes deeper than 20 yards downfield this season. Good job, Matt Ryan. W. Uh, and that's why they'll beat the Bills this Sunday. <laughs> His deep ball is going to go crazy in Buffalo with all the snow. Audience, um, we have to start a new call, but stay tuned. Um, if you'd like to support us, I guess we'll have to start a Patreon or something. Uh, but stay tuned as we have the Dolphins traveling to Tennessee to take on the Titans, and I'm sure there's a lot to talk about there. See you all soon.
we're moving on to Miami Dolphins at the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are three and a half point favorites. They lose the game. The Dolphins win and go on eight game win streak. And then they'll head to the last week of the season playing the Patriots next week. It'll be a great game fighting for that last playoff spot. However, still speaking on this game, Miami wins. They beat the Titans. Jalen Waddle is the highest scoring player in standard half PPR and, of course, full PPR because he's a full PPR god. He gets at least 10 catches. I won't give him any yards. I'll give him 70 yards, but he'll get two touchdowns off of those 70 yards. It'll be a pretty low-scoring game, maybe 24-17 to type of game. Uh, But the Dolphins come out ahead, get their eighth straight wing, move on to nine and seven, and Tennessee falls into number three or lower in the AFC picture, and uh, the Chiefs clinch the number one seed, uh, regardless of win or lose against the Bengals. Dan, what do you think? So, um, yeah, I I agree. I think I think that the Dolphins win this game honestly pretty easily. I think three and a half is a little too close. I I could see them winning by like six or seven. Um, I I I think that the Titans are. A, a little bit in fraud territory they had a good win last week I'll, I'll give them that but like I, I think they're a little bit into fraud territory and without Derrick Henry I, and I think Tannehill's a, a good to decent quarterback I just don't know if you can I don't know if against this Miami defense you can just sling it to AJ Brown every play and expect to uh, expect to just have a huge game um so <clears throat> excuse me um so I I think that the Dolphins win this one, six or seven. Uh, and I think that two, I mean, two has been playing great. And I, I thought it was weird when they were shopping uh, for Watson and maybe trading Tua to the Texans. I think yeah. Yeah, people give on quarterbacks way too quick. Whole nother discussion. But but regardless, I think I think the, the highest scoring player in this game is Jalen Waddle, as you said. Um, and I think that the Dolphins go on to win eight straight. Mm-hmm. Rob? I think the Titans are much better than the Dolphins. Uh, Tua, Tua has a really good – Tua is really good, excuse me. Uh, but I think that the Titans cover uh, – they're favored by three and a half right now. Yeah. I think that they cover that and win by six or seven. Uh, A.J. Brown is going to go all over the Dolphins. He's not. He won't. A.J. Brown gets less than 10 points this week. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. I should have raised my hand, but um, this Dolphins defense, I think has been extremely underrated. I was watching. I only watched the first half last night, but I thought what they were doing on defense, they would show a blitz drop seven or eight into coverage, or then on another play, they're rushing all of them to the quarterback, really just confusing a rookie quarterback. They did the same thing against the Ravens where they were just playing cover zero, almost every play. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think this Dolphins defense is severely underrated here. Yeah. Yeah. They've really, I mean, they lost seven in a row and then they've now won seven straight. Things started clicking, and it's been clicking in a really good way. Um, there are a few pieces away from a really legit Super Bowl contender. Not quite there. I would put them literally the same exact tier as the Titans, uh, but just being in, you know, more of a much win, must-win territory, they win this game uh, and go into eight straight. Uh, should be really good. This should still be a good game. Titans, not really a 10-5 and five team, but they're still good, I guess. Uh, Mike Vrabel's a great coach. He gets the boys ready. Ryan Tannehill's still fine. A.J. Brown's good. Julio Jones is fine. The Titans' defense is pretty good. So, 
yeah, it should be a fine football game. Hopefully you'll catch some of it on red zone, but I'm sorry if that's like what you're watching because it's probably just going to be the most normal game of all time. Nothing super exciting. Our next game, I'll give a hot take with it. I think it's going to be more of the same. The Broncos are heading to LA to take on the Chargers. I think it's um, maybe not show by the spread. The Chargers five and a half point favorites. Um, you would think that this would be close to blowout territory, especially with the Chargers being the home team. But I don't think it is. I think Denver goes in there and keeps it really close. I think the Chargers only win by a field goal as the clock expires. It'll be 24-21 Chargers. Highest scoring player, Eckler. Austin Eckler hopefully is back and will score the most points. In this game, maybe about 24 points for Austin Eckler this week. What do you think, Rob? Chargers win 21-3. Broncos are absolutely terrible on offense, but they do have the best defense in the NFL in points given up per game at 16. Uh, so I think they could limit the Chargers. However, I do not think they will limit them enough to beat them because they will not score any points. Uh, absolutely abysmal offense in the hands of Drew Locke. Uh, mm -hmm. Is Teddy Bridgewater back, maybe? It doesn't matter. Not very much of a difference. So, Yeah. Dan? Um, this, this is also another one that's kind of hard for me to decipher because the, the Chargers, their run defense is awful, terrible. Mm -hmm. One yep. of the I think one of the top five worst in the NFL. Denver has the Gordon and Williams combo. Yeah. I, I, I think I think this kind of plays into Denver's strength, but I also agree with Robbie and the fact that, you know, Drew Locke is Drew Locke. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that – I think this game is really just going to come down to if Denver can get the run game established, I think that they have a good chance of winning I have and a good chance of it being a low-score game because that clock is running as, as, as they're running the ball over and over. Um, but the, both these teams have been kind of hit a skid, lost two in a row. <sighs> Give me Chargers win, but Denver covers. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Denver has to cover this game. This just screams that both Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon will get a touchdown this week. That's 14 points. Um, and, I mean, the Chargers are just so give and take. And their home field advantage, it's always memed and talked about that their home field advantage isn't truly a home field advantage and that um, they don't have many fans in the L.A. area. Um, I like, I do think they still win, but, um, Denver should definitely keep it extremely close, Rob. Rulock, nine inch hands, fifth percentile. Absolutely disgusting. That it's is cold the, in Denver. Well, it's in LA. Oh, it's not that cold over there. It's okay. Never mind. Well, and well, Joe Burrow has the exact same size chance. Nine inches. It's different. He plays in Cincinnati. <laughs> Cincinnati's probably cold. It can get cold. It can get cold. It's going to be struggling to grip the football. You know? <laughs> I mean, I would like to measure mine. I bet I'm like six inch hands. I like measured how mine this morning. Like nine inch hands, like putting my hand up to Drew Locke would be like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It'd be like yeah. that. 
And still there's quarterbacks with like, like that would be yeah. like on my hand, like just yeah. some crazy shit. True. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I measured my hands this morning. I have seven inch hands. Wait, 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 wait. Who do, let me ask the audience. Who do you want gripping your football? Someone with big hands or someone with small hands? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Big hands. Bigger is always better, right? Yeah, it would be it would be a little bit more secure, more comforting. Um, you could have a little bit more trust in the bigger hand over the football. Um, yeah, I guess that's fair. And to every statistical probability, there is a statistical anomaly. And mm. apparently Joe Burrow, even though he has pretty small hands, even though nine inches is still massive hands, uh, is doing well. He's doing great with small hands. Yeah. I, I, I think that like it, it kind of gets into like the correlation versus causation, you know, yeah. type thing where it's like, okay, like like the bigger hands, better performance. Uh, okay, they're correlated, but is, is that really the reason? Yeah, I mean, like it's quarterbacks are generally tall people mm-hmm. and tall people generally have big hands. However, there are some shorter quarterbacks who probably have smaller hands that do really well. However, I do think I remember looking it up. Kyler Murray, although short, has pretty big hands. I, I, I actually had just Googled Kyler Murray hand size because I was curious. Um, nine and a half. So bigger than Joe Burrow. What about like yeah. Russell Wilson? Or- oh, wait. Hold on. Wait a second. Yeah, nine and a half, nine and a half, nine and a half. Yeah, and I'm sure like um, – well, Let's see what Tom Brady's are. Yeah, how big are Tom Brady's hands? 9.38. Wow, Tom Brady has some pretty small hands. Russell Wilson has hands that are 10 and a quarter inches. Those are that's some a, pretty big hands. That's actually kind of crazy. 10 and a half inch of hands. Success in Seattle. You got to have it. Yeah. Yeah. But did you just hear that uh, Tom Brady, who played for the Patriots, probably the coldest team, maybe besides the Bills or the Packers, nine inch I'm hands? Putting, I'm putting it on my homework to really find the data behind Aaron Rodgers 9.38 inches Drew Brees 10 inches um those are sort of big hands yeah it's definitely an age of extremes and I think that people now than ever are becoming extreme versions of things and so we are seeing more and more athletes who are outliers in certain things. And so maybe you can now have tiny baby, little tiny baby hands like Joe Burrow does and still be a good quarterback. Yeah, probably. That's little good Gaga hands. Coming from a man with smaller hands than these baby goo goo Gaga hands. <laughs> My hands are pretty small. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I was never good at throwing a football anyways, so I guess it makes sense. Yeah, I was like, I could throw a football fine. Probably not past, like, 50 yards, maybe 40. I yeah. I don't know if I could get that far. Um, Probably 40, maybe. I don't know. We'd, we'd, we'd have to see. Our next matchup, which I'm so glad that Rob is back for this because it's the Texans. Run by sexy 
Rexy Burkhead traveling to the 49ers. Now, I was called a dumbass for saying Rex Burkhead would score 30 points this season or before the end of the season. And in PPR, he scored 28 and a half last week. So maybe I am still a dumbass because it was only 27 and a half and half PPR and he still hasn't scored 30 points. He definitely doesn't do it against the 49ers. But I do want to say to our audience, I hope you listen to our takes because we're always right. We predicted Rex Burkhead. Rob, what do you have to say? So I think that this is actually a good segue into a little bit of draft strategy talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to the uh, Top 10 Takeaways podcast from Player, Profi- Player Profiler, mm-hmm. uh, the podfather. And he was discussing Rex Burkhead and was saying that this is a year where, you know, at any time anything can happen. And these are the players, you know, that you should have on your bench because anybody who has just even an average all purpose skill set could lose all of their target and snap share competition at any moment. And so maybe the strategy was to one lock up your your main rb1 in the first round but then to just leave your rb2 open because Mm -hmm. you knew that this was going to be a year where there's going to be 60 to 90 running backs who at one point have an rb1 game go ahead um yeah i I mean i was gonna i was gonna say that like i actually came uh, to that conclusion as well, just kind of like by myself, like I, I, I looked at, you know, who on my team was like a reason, one of the reasons that I was getting my wins. And it was Williams who was out, uh, who was playing when CH was injured, performed way better than CH ever did all season. And then um, who's the Dalvin Cook's backup? Madison. Madison. It, 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 it so I, I guess that my takeaway is like when drafting, like think about, okay, one injury, what does that do for this person's ceiling? Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, as someone like an AJ Dillon, you know, or, or like a Pollard, like these people, I think uh, I are, have a lot more value in my mind now. Have a lot more value than someone say like uh, a fringe wide receiver, like Van Jefferson or yep. Tyler Boyd or someone who may get you 10 points. Um, but, you know, at any week, these backup, you know, running backs who are still really solid running backs uh, could turn into 30 point plays like Justin Jackson did last week mm-hmm. for the LA chargers. And like Ronald Jones is probably going to do this week. Uh, you know, it's, it's every week. And, yeah. And so, you know, those are who need to be filling up a lot of your six bench spots mm-hmm. as those guys. Cause you know, and, and it's, it, it, it Really, you know, you need to emphasize in the second and third and fourth rounds, uh, wide receiver. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably, I mean, it's a strategy that's talked about every year is the zero RB strategy to just go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, maybe get your tight end, your quarterback, and then uh, see who falls. There's always a Javante Williams. There's every year there's a breakout rookie who came at the end of the draft or just something like that. Like it's, um, I don't know. 
it's only two parts of your roster. You don't always have to use your flex on a running back. Robbie, what do you think? But you, I think that you still can't go zero RB. You still need in the first round to go RB1 unless, you know, you, you have Pat Mahomes or, or, or Devontae Adams. Um, but, but otherwise, you need to go RB1 because think of the biggest ceiling running backs week after week after week. Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, you know, mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor. I mean, these are players that you – need to invest a first round pick in well unless you're unless you're getting yeah i mean this year your your number one draft pick running backs all got hurt derrick henry got hurt christian mccaffrey was out most of the year dalvin dalvin cook couldn't stay healthy ezekiel elliott's been extremely spotty he's been fine i guess uh alvin kamara's missed a few games and also hasn't really done too much to his ceiling saquon barkley's been out all the time uh, Austin Eckler and Jonathan Taylor, who have probably been the best ones, were second or third round running backs in most drafts. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's going to shake out differently. But I mean, players next season that I think have a high as as hell ceiling, like Cam Akers, you could probably get in like third or fourth round next season. Um, next season, you could probably get like, uh, you, you know, like maybe Alexander Madison goes in like the fourth round next season. Who knows? Like uh, a lot of things are going to get changed. Uh, one draft strategy I like a lot is the auction draft because it lets you truly value your players, how you want to value them. Uh, Dan, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, I guess I would say in terms of like the injuries to the round one running bucks, I think, uh, you know, that also kind of also strengthens the argument for, okay, now I need to worry about, okay, this guy is my main score. I need his handcuff as well because I need, you know, if Dalvin Cook goes down, if I have Madison, it's essentially the same thing. It's essentially I will get that production no matter what. Um, So I think that, you know, having that consistent floor, like getting the the running back and getting his backup could be a very viable strategy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh. To speak more on this game with shaky running backs and Rex Burkhead, Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson. Um, these are the running backs in this Texans 49ers game. 49ers somehow, I guess not somehow, they're 12 and a half point favorites. They'll cover that for sure. Highest scoring player in this game. If Elijah Mitchell comes back, I'll take him. I think Elijah Mitchell goes for 100 yards, two rushing touchdowns, maybe three catches and 30 yards. And the 49ers win by, like, 20 against the Texans. Rob, what do you think? Is Jimmy Garoppolo out? Uh, questionable. Questionable. Does it matter? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think if, uh, if Jimmy Garoppolo is out, I think the Texans win. Davis Mills is amazing. He's so good. Davis Mills hand size. <laughs> I think he has small hands. Uh, the, the, they're uh, they're playing have. in San Francisco. Oh, that's still pretty good. Um, I guess I, I'll talk a little bit about this game. I think I, I agree that it matters if uh, Jimmy G is playing or not. Uh, if Jimmy G is playing, I, I'm, I'm hitting this cover like uh, San Francisco minus 15. Uh, or minus 12 and a half now it started at uh, 15 went down to 12 and a half I think people are 
I think people are overreacting a little bit to the the Texans upset win over the Chargers. I, I and I think Davis Mills has shown, you know, Davis Mills first game when he came in during Cleveland versus now, it almost feels like two different players. 100% knowledge that he might end up being a good player. But I just look at the rest of this roster and I say, well, well, look at San Francisco. They have Kittle. They have Debo. They have, I mean, they have all these playmakers. I mean, even if, I don't think they cover this if Jimmy G is out, but I think they still win uh, just because you can take the responsibility off of Trey Lance's shoulders because you have so many playmakers on offense. Their defense is great as well. Um, and I just, I don't think the Houston uh, um, Texans will have an answer for this. Truly. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with you there. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess it definitely matters if Jimmy Garoppolo's out. I think again, they still win no matter what. I don't know if Trey Lance is that much of a downgrade from Jimmy G maybe one or two more turnovers, maybe, mm-hmm. but even then I don't think the Texans capitalize that much. The 49ers still have a really good defense. Uh, and Rex Burkhead's not going to be able to go for a hundred yards and yeah. two touchdowns like he did against the Chargers terrible run defense. So no matter what, I, Houston probably gets like one touchdown this game and maybe a couple field goals. Mm-hmm. And I think the 49ers get that easily. Maybe even like a defensive touchdown. Like they're just, they're good. They're a great team um, and should definitely make the playoffs after beating the Texans. I don't know who they play after that, but I, I think they're pretty much in if they play how they should. Our next, our next game, we've got the Lions traveling to Seattle. These are teams that are interesting. I'll say the least. Seattle is seven-point favorites. They opened at nine and a half and have dropped down to seven. The Lions crushed the Cardinals, then lost to the Falcons. 42 and a half points is, the, is what's expected. I'll take under that for sure. Um, I think the Lions win this game. DeAndre Swift is still questionable. He might actually come back, which would be crazy. So, um, yeah. I, and Amon Ross St. Brown has been killing it. He's been crazy, the sun god. So, and Seattle is – Goff back? Is he vaccinated? I don't know. I don't know, but I don't think it matters. He was out – he got put on the list right before the game last week, right? Yeah, so his vaccination status definitely matters. Yeah, because it's 10 days if you're not vaccinated, five if you are. I yeah. think I think they just switched it to five regardless. Yeah, just maybe two negative tests. Wait, they switched it to five regardless? Yeah, oh, they as long as you have two negative tests. Uh, something. I honestly, yeah. I just, I yeah. All I saw was. Isn't that crazy that they would require two negative tests when like both tests has like a twenty percent chance of like giving a false positive, and so you're like opening up to like so many false positives. But I guess you'd rather have too many false positives than like a a lot of cases that you didn't diagnose. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's you don't. Yeah, I guess. But at the same time, it feels kind of shitty for the guys who like, what if they didn't even have it? But it also seems like this thing's moving so quickly. We could be past this in like a week or two. Yeah. And the NFL will be all good for the playoffs, which would arguably be even like, you know what I mean? Like we won't see like player after player after player being put on the list. It may be one or two here or there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I believe the antibodies at least stay in your system for a month or so. So with all these yeah. like, getting it. Yeah, minimum, right? Like, I, and it seems like what we've seen is we kind of had like the original, then we kind of went like actually quite a while before we finally had the Delta come, which kind of freaked everyone out a little bit. And now it seems like this is a couple, like kind of a little bit closer in time to Delta Omicron, but between like Delta and the original. So like maybe we could see like every like three months, you know, we kind of, everybody's kind of like, okay, here we go. You know, we're going to, you know, we're going to get a cold and, you know, some of us are going to get sicker. Some of us aren't. And, and some of our favorite football players aren't going to be able to play this week, but at least we know that once they don't play this week, that they'll be able to play the weeks after that. And so we'll just kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And it's extremely important uh, because the Detroit lions are totally in playoff contention. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, think about it. yeah. So we need, to make sure, now we know that Jerry Goff will be able to play in the playoffs. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to see Jared Goff go to the playoffs with the lions. That'd be hilarious. Uh, is it, is it my turn to speak about these games? Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. So uh, this is, this honestly could be, could be just a, just a fun game to watch. I don't think that this will be particularly good football, but I think this will be like entertaining football. I think that there could be, I think this could maybe be a high turnover game. Um, You know, Seattle's defense lets you move the ball and then kind of stops you in the red zone. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens here. I, I, I kind of like Seattle covering here. And not because I like hate the lines or think they're trash. I think they've actually improved massively throughout the season. Uh, but I just think Russell Wilson can only be bad for so long. And I think that maybe this could be the game. This is like maybe the get right game, your easy opposition where you can get it right and start, you know, start building off of that. So I, I take Seattle to cover. And I think that DK Metcalf has a big fantasy performance. Let me pose this question to you, Dan, uh, especially since we're running out of time with this call and we'll have to start another one. If Russell Wilson doesn't get right, what even is his trade value? Um, Like if he finishes the season on this skid and then is like requesting to leave Seattle. um, I mean, like what are teams willing to give up like a fourth round pick? Yeah, I I, I think, I think you may, may have hit the, um, you hit the nail right there. I think, I think fourth, I, I could see a third. Um, we'll see how desperate teams are. Um, you like, maybe you could have like a Pittsburgh or some, someone who's willing to, to overpay a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you. I think that, I think it's still kind of known. He's still got, he's still got some gas left in the tank. He's shown enough. I think that maybe this little skit isn't too, too impactful. Hopefully, hopefully. Risa, I saw you shaking your head. What do you think? Uh, I think you guys are crazy um, just in terms of the trade values that we're giving to Russell Wilson here. I think he's still absolutely worth a second or first round pick. Um, and maybe unless his contract is up like this season at the end of this season, but I think he just signed an extension um, before the season started or like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um He's 33 years old. He's not super young, but he uh, he reminds me of Brady in the in the sense that he's very responsible uh, with his body and with his uh, nutrition and his health. And 
I think he's missed like one season in his career. Um, I think he's a durable guy. I think he can go to like mid to late thirties. So I, I definitely could see him going for a second or even a first. I think that's, I think it's kind of crazy that you guys started at four. Um, but maybe, maybe I'm, I've lost the plot. Maybe I'm out of it. Maybe I don't know trade values. I'm also, I'm also kind of trash at trade values. I, I, I'm not, I'm not hu- like hugely knowledgeable on what's, what's worth it or not. Yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, for me, it's just the fact that he's a quarterback. Like mm-hmm. it, the fact that he's a quarterback automatically sets the bar like at maybe fourth or fifth round. Like he's a starting quarterback. So he's going to go for a four or five to start. And then you add in the fact that he like has shown that he can be a top three quarterback, you know, as probably, probably still could be, even though he's 33 years old. I, I think he could definitely go for a second. Rob? Who do you take, Russell Wilson or Jalen Hurts for your franchise? Wilson all day, every day. Agreed. I think – I don't know. It, I guess I would go with Wilson too. Uh, I think I would – rather run an offense around Wilson than Jalen Hurts. I think they're just different kinds of people. I just wouldn't want to run like a Ravens or Eagles style offense with so much just basic. Would you ra- would you rather have Russell Wilson for five more years than Jalen Hurts for 15 more? Yes, because Hurts will probably only last like six or seven more. I don't see him being a, a 15-year quarterback, starting quarterback. Well, I mean, yeah, the 15 years is guaranteed. I'll take 15 years of Jalen Hurts. Um, but, I mean, both Russell Wilson and Jalen Hurts could very well have six or seven more years. In both of them, like literally. Like Russell Wilson can play till he's 40 and Jalen Hurts. And by the way, by the way, we're all talking – I guess not we all. I think Jason was talking about this being a down year for Russell Wilson mm-hmm. or, you know, him being in like a skid. Um, he's only played 12 games, so, you know, things look a little weird but he's throwing 65% with 18 t- passing touchdowns and only five picks in the 12 games that he's played in. So, I mean, that's not, that's really not that bad. Yes. That's actually, that's actually pretty, pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I will say though, it's like, it's split though. It's like the first half of the season was good. He gets injured, comes back, hasn't been as good, but I do agree with you that, that, we should not be overlooking the, the good start that he had to this year. Mm-hmm. Next game. Shall we talk about uh, the next games? We have three more games uh, this week. The Rams heading to the Ravens in Baltimore. The Rams are three and a half point favorites. Who knows who will be quarterbacking for the Ravens. You probably expect Lamar Jackson. I don't know the status for sure, but I imagine he plays. Um, this is a tough one to be honest three and a half is a great spread it really is Um, Lamar Jackson sits the Rams win if he plays honestly the Rams still probably win this game Um, it's just I I don't know I don't know I don't even want to say anything about the spread Rams win the game I'll say the highest scoring player this week is going to be Mark Andrews, he's been on fire. Uh, he really just needs to get pushed in that system even more, and I think they recognize that. And Mark Andrews goes off this week. What do you think, Dan? 
Uh, yeah, I've, I've similar thoughts to yours. I think that I think the Ravens cover just because I've watched so many games where the Ravens are like, you know, they tied up, they go for two, they miss the, they miss the two point conversion and they lose off of that. I think that if this is the caveat, if Tyler Huntley or Lamar Jackson is playing either of those two, they're still going to put up points. I think that it'll be, it'll be close. And I think the Ravens will lose in Ravens fashion. Um, but I think if Huntley or Lamar is playing, this could go down to the wire. Um, but I think this will be a shootout and I believe the over is like 47 right now or something like that. Hammer this over. I think both teams are going to be putting up a lot of points if Tyler Huntley or Lamar Jackson is playing. It's fair. It's fair Reese. Uh, I'm looking at something real quick regarding the Rams. So go ahead and go to Robbie first. Robbie, what do you think? I think the Rams handle the Ravens this week, unfortunately, because I am a a pseudo Ravens fan, uh, actually also a pseudo Rams fan. I'm really loving football this year, you know, but you know, I, I think is Lamar is questionable. He may or may not be back. Uh, but I guess for this, let's assume he's back. Uh, and somebody else who's back is Cam Akers, possibly for the Rams, which will be very interesting. I think that there is data that knee injuries don't zap your explosiveness, right? Like you can still come back at full speed and strength, but Achilles injuries do zap your explosiveness. And so Cam Akers, we need to remember, he is coming back as a unfortunately hindered athlete, uh, sad because, you know, was an amazing prospect. And I remember at Pitt, they were all about him. Um, And he was all over the ESPN, you know, stats when I would watch college football. But, you know, he's coming back different and he's probably still going to be good, but not as good but hope the best for him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They've been a lot of videos have come out of him looking just as good. His cuts look great using both of his Achilles. Uh, and there's a history of Florida state running backs doing pretty well in the NFL. Dalvin cook most recently, of course. So I don't know. I think, um, I think he should be good. Severely undervalued right now in everything. If you're in a keeper league and he's, still somehow available definitely put him in your IR slot or something uh for sure it's uh yeah yeah he's really good what do you think rob only 22 and a half years old uh younger than myself uh with a 90th percentile adjusted speed score 90th percentile college dominator uh just incredible profile large bmi mm-hmm. uh you know he he's going to be really, really the top back. Uh, and he, he'll definitely outclass Sony Michelle and Daryl Henderson, even though both of them are, are really good running backs. Cam Akers, he's a guy. Mm-hmm. He, he's a guy. So can't wait to see what he does. Don't think he'll do much this week. He'll probably be pretty limited. Uh, but how great that they get him back before the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Henderson is out, I think, for the season. So it'll be Michelle with the start this week. And 
I think I read somewhere where they're just going to kind of like give acres a bit roll, if at all. Um, so yeah, I agree. Probably won't do much. Um, but I would like to give my two cents on the game. If, yeah. if that's all right. Um, I know the Rams have won four in a row. Technically they had like a, a postponed game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, they won their last four. However, I think it's a fraudulent four. Um, they beat the Jaguars handily, which was nice, but then they beat the Cardinals on that uh, really, really poor Kyler Murray performance. Mm. Uh, they beat the Seahawks at home by 10 points. Okay, that's pretty good. Um, but then they beat Minnesota despite Stafford throwing three interceptions and having like a nightmare of a game. Um, and if Baltimore does get Lamar back, uh, I think that they probably win the game, obviously meaning they cover the two and a half point uh, or the three and a half point spread. Um, so I will take Baltimore minus three and a half. I think they're, they're still in it in the, in the hunt. They're like what a game back from um, the last wild card spot. Yeah. Or I think, yeah, they're a game back. They're not tied, but they're a game back. Um, so yeah, I think this, this is huge for Baltimore. Um, I know the Rams are playing for the division still. Um, I think they're one game ahead of the Cardinals. Let me check. I think two now. One game ahead of the Cardinals. So, yeah, they're still playing for the division, but I like the Baltimore Ravens in this game. Uh, Like I said, especially if Lamar is back. And uh, what does that backfield look like right now? Devontae Freeman is starting, Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't have much to say on the fantasy outlook. I, I mean, I'll just, I'll go with Cooper Cup getting 125, 130 yards, and he's going to break. He's going to be on his way to breaking Calvin Johnson's record of most receiving yards in a season. He won't do it this week with 130. I think he needs like, uh, 200 yards or something, or 185 or something like that to beat it. But I think he will do it. And I think that he'll have a good game against the Ravens, despite them losing. Nice. Nice. Anyone else have any more thoughts on this game? Now let's go ahead and move on to the Sunday night game. The Vikings traveling to Green Bay to take on the Packers. Vikings in must-win territory. Green Bay also in must-win territory to try to keep that number one spot in the NFC away from the Red Hot Cowboys. Packers are... Six and a half point favorites. You smash that. They win by two or three scores this week. I know the Vikings are pretty good, but the Packers, similar to the Bears, own the Vikings in Green Bay at home. Aaron Rodgers throws for four, maybe even five touchdowns this week against the Vikings. Devontae Adams goes off. Alan Lazard gets a touchdown. Aaron Jones gets a receiving touchdown. A.J. Dillon gets a rushing touchdown. It's going to be touchdowns all over the place for the Green Bay Packers. They score over 40 just by themselves. And uh, take home the W for sure and pretty much lock their way into the number one seed. What do you think, Dan? Um, Well, I guess I'll start off with saying I couldn't disagree with you more. I think that... I've watched the past two Packers games against the Ravens, against the Browns. Mm -hmm. And in both games, they barely hold on. I think the Packers are due for a loss. I think this is 
a divisional game in Lambeau in December. It could be cold outside. I think that this will be a low-scoring game. And like all of Minnesota's games, it's like they're all almost all decided by at least one score. Minnesota's that one team that are like that they're good on paper but never execute, but they can beat you if you're slacking. I think I just think Green Bay is is due for a loss now. I think the highest scoring player is Dalvin Cook. You look at Nick Chubb. He ran all over the Packers. I think Dalvin Cook is going to have himself a night, and I think the Minnesota Vikings pull out with a win here. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, this should be a good game. Um, Rob, what do you think? I took notes for this game earlier, and do you want to know what my notes said? Yeah. Don't bet against Rodgers. Yeah. That That was my notes. You don't bet against Rodgers, especially not against Kirk Cousins, who's good. But you just don't bet against Rodgers in week 17. To think that you would have Dan. Dan, you know what, Dan? I'm putting my keyboard down, Dan. Damn it. I'm pounding my fist. To think that you would have the audacity to bet against Rodgers in week 17 is the it's an it's an offense. I'm just saying, Rogers. He's he's great. Probably the MVP this season. What I am saying is he barely held on in two games. In the last two games, he's had good first halves, and then he's gotten stuffed the second half of both of those games. And I'm not trying to dig on Aaron Rodgers or anything. I'm just saying that they have one of the best running backs in the league in Dalvin Cook. You see, you saw Nick Chubb run against him. You saw Tyler Huntley run against him. I think that this deep, I think that the matchup plays into Minnesota, and it's also a divisional game where you can't just as quickly write off the opponent, even if it is the Minnesota Vikings. So profile me if you wish. I am a regular listener of the Pat McAfee show as of the past two days. That's all I've listened to so far. And but for the past month, Aaron Rodgers interview, I listened to it. So he comes on the Pat McAfee show every Tuesday. They call it Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays. And I was listening today and he was talking about a play. Uh, him and Devontae Adams lined up. Hold on, let me lower my hand. Him and Devontae Adams lined up and he was supposed to give Devontae Adams a signal of what route to run. And he talked about he looked over at Devontae Adams and Devontae Adams looked at him and he just decided not to give him a signal. He said he just knew what he was going to do and they scored a touchdown. And it's just like, he was like, uh, who, like, there's no way I was going to give a signal. I didn't want to mess anything up. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, how can you bet against Rogers? He, he'll, I that mean, is awesome. Yeah, that is it's a great story. Incredible. And that is awesome. And he'll be like, and I, I remember the last time we did that route was 2017, week 14 against the Vikings. You know, like this guy, you can't bet against this guy. Yeah, and, he's and, automatic. And to hear, and as we've spoken about before, to hear that his family says that he doesn't care about them is just further evidence that he is just so consumed by winning and just being yeah. 
the very best football player. He's insane, but yeah. he's, he's stoic. You know, he, he, he is not outwardly insane, Yeah, but yeah. he's obsessed. I mean, like when you, when you think, okay, you ever watch Gary V, right? Like you have to be obsessed. Like you just yeah. have to wake up every day and do it. You just have to want it. You just have to just feel it and just be consumed by it. That's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And, and Dan had the audacity to bet against him in week 17. I, I, my, my only That's retort bold. to that, my only retort to that is I don't think Aaron Rodgers is the only person in the NFL that is, you know, just has crazy amount of motivation and all of that, even though, I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play. Mm-hmm. No, no, no question about it. Um, he is the best quarterback to ever play. Ooh, Boom. that's spicy. That's spicy. Oh. Boom. Just incorrect. Boom. That is spicy. Terrible take. I don't want to hear it. Boom. I don't want to hear it, Patriots the fans. Podcast. Boom. I, hey, I didn't say he had the best career. I said he's the best. He has the most talent. He is the most talented quarterback that ever played football so far in the NFL. No. I think I think you just made Robbie Rage quit over that. Jason, wh- who who is your who's your number one pick? Tom Brady's the most... the best quarterback of all time. I I think he's the goat. I think he had yeah. the great. He's had the greatest career. But I think one to one, put him in the same system and the same. Give him the same resources. Every if you give Rodgers the same environment as Brady, he does just as well, if not even better. Which is pretty much impossible. I, I don't know. Here's the deal. Aaron Rodgers, I'm gonna follow Dan on this point. I don't care how clowned on Robbie has tried to make Dan feel. He's right <laughs> in that the Packers are due for a loss. It's not this week against the Vikings. Hey, they already lost to him once this season in a weird game. I mean, why not again? They're winning this game. But they're losing in the playoffs, and they're not going to win the Super Bowl or even make the Super Bowl because Aaron Rodgers is the opposite of clutch. The Falcons mm. hung forty. Wow! 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 Oh, <laughs> the audacity! Opposite of clutch? Yeah. Have you not seen the meme where the Cowboys fan is celebrating, or all the Cowboys fans are celebrating? The Packers fan takes a selfie and says, "Little did they know, you can't give Aaron Rodgers thirty seconds." And they, the Packers went on to win the game. Oh, yeah. Like they had like 30 seconds to score. Oh, yeah. Regular season game against a middle pack Dallas Cowboys. Oh, come, dude. I, I mean, we can go through, we can pick apart all their playoff losses, but in most recent memory, they, their defense got shredded in the playoffs last season. Like it's the story, it's the same story every year. Like, he has no defense, and they get shredded in the playoffs by the big boys. It happens every year. Rodgers can only put up so many points. The reason that Aaron Rodgers is not the bona fide absolute MVP of the NFL is, one, that Tom Brady is still very good. And, two, is that he is being accused of spreading misinformation about the vaccine. And and if you look up all the noise, it is – Aaron Rodgers needs to, you know, Pat McAfee's getting a pass for allowing Aaron Rodgers to spread COVID misinformation. I don't have an opinion on that whatsoever, but I think that, you know, he's been a very, very, very good football player. And 
I think he has a very, very good shot winning that, the Super Bowl. That is an incredibly absurd take because that is just so recent and no one has ever said Aaron Rodgers is a, is GOAT. And, and him just saying that he was vaccinated and lying about that isn't the only reason that people think he's not the GOAT. Or... See, I disagree. Most, I feel like most of the discourse that keeps Rodgers from being the number one of all time in terms of talent, I know he didn't have the greatest career. He only won a Super Bowl and, like, two MVPs. You know, that's not super awesome. Um, but I think, like, the most the most common thing that people hold against him is, like, his personality and he's rude and he's cold and his family hates him and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, Dude, that's like the number one knock on Rodgers. If you look at his stats, like if you look at every season that he played in the NFL, it's like, who did better than that? But it's like people just bring up all this stuff. It's like half of it's not even true. Like all of his teammates, you know, always – or his former teammates always tell you that 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 stuff you hear about him isn't true. Like uh, Greg Jennings goes on Cowherd like once a week and tells him like, that crap that you hear about Rogers wasn't, it's not true. Like he loves all the other uh, guys in the locker room. He's a nice guy. He's not super selfish. Like people want you to think he is blah, blah, blah. But anyways. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like the exact same treatment Tom Brady's received all his career of uh, Tom Brady's an asshole. No one likes him. He, no matter how good he is. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is great, but he's no Tom Brady. I would probably rather have even Patrick Mahomes over Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, like, I don't know. That's tough. I, I, because I, I, about getting back. I, I, I guess Rogers did it before it was cool, but Mahomes is, is very, very similar. And I think that right now, yeah, of course you'd want Mahomes. I guess. Yeah. I, 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 one thing I'll say is I, I guess I don't necessarily, I, I'm not really a fan of like, Oh, if you put this player into this system, is he better than this player? Like at that point, you're just kind of all into like subjective territory. I will say you you I, I don't think he's the goat, but top five all time. I think you you put it into it easily. Hear me out, Dan. Hear me out. Matt Lafleur, who is, in my opinion, not a top five head coach in the NFL. He's probably mm-hmm. a top ten head coach, but I wouldn't even say he's a top five head coach in the NFL. Has already had in his first two years with Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers more twelve win seasons than. Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers ever had together. And it's not like they built the roster super different than uh, Mike McCarthy and and that same front office did before. It's just that he finally has a competent, in my opinion, competent, truly, truly competent competitive head coach. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could make that argument. Uh, I guess I, I I guess I just don't know. Uh, like I thought, I think Matt Lafleur is pretty pretty good. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, Mike McCarthy's doing really well in Dallas right now, and Dak Prescott is thriving under him. So I don't know if Mike McCarthy is necessarily a bad coach. Uh, Matt Lafleur probably is just kind of doing the Tom Brady treatment that Bruce Arians is doing, and just kind of trusting Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah. Rodgers make the decisions and stuff. And I don't think I don't think McCarthy's a bad coach. I just think McCarthy doesn't really I don't think McCarthy elevates a roster um like really at all. I, I think he probably like allows his team to play at their expected level of play. I think LaFleur like slightly elevates his his team's performance. So Rob. 
Wait, hold on. We're talking about the Packers, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they should totally let Aaron Rodgers make all the play calls. I mean, think about it. This is different from choosing the personnel. Yeah. This is choosing yeah. the play calls. And if anyone has the best sense for, for the defense they're seeing and the throws that they want to make and that they think this cover two, they could have this drag route underneath would be perfect. Like that, that's who should be making the calls is the quarterback, the coach and the OC should be up in the sky, you know, telling them the analytics like, Oh yeah, we think a short pass, you know, works well in these situations or a long pass this or that. But you tell me, you know, how is this guy running? You know, so like, so, you know, Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, these guys should be calling the plays. I mean, Ian Book should not be calling the plays. But these elite quarterbacks, you don't think that they can handle? And, and they are. I mean, it seems like Aaron Rodgers, to me, it seems like they're giving him, you know, the personnel, and he's given the signal of what route he wants the receivers to run, which is just insane already. But I think he can handle the full play calls. Do you think he goes into coaching after this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think he does. No, I don't think he coaches. Uh, Aaron Rodgers probably goes into broadcasting if we're talking about the future of Aaron Rodgers. Um, that would be my take. Dan, there's one game left. It's the Monday night football matchup. Do you know where yeah. I'm going with this? Yeah. Would you like to lead the way? Sure, sure. I'll, I'll I'll lead the way because this is actually this this is an interesting game. And uh, as a biased Browns fan, I, I look at this game and I I almost I almost just don't even know what to make of it because I, I think about it like this: the Browns, everything the that has needed to happen for the Browns to make the playoffs in the past like four weeks has happened. Mm-hmm. Teams have been losing. The AFC North wide open. If Cincinnati loses the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, the Bengals uh, lose against or, or the Ravens lose against the Rams, I mean, uh, then and assuming that Cleveland wins this game, then the AFC North comes down to the week 17 matchup against Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. So it's a very interesting scenario that's happening here, but there's also just like, a Baker hasn't been playing good. Um, I think that Big Ben, while he hasn't been good, he's still enough of that veteran presence where if you need him to make a drive, he'll find a way even with his, you know, like noodle arm. Mm-hmm. So I think that this game, I think, I think honestly favoring Cleveland by three is a little bit of a mistake by Vegas. This line, this line, I think opened at plus uh or minus one for the Steelers, meaning the Steelers were favored. I think the Steelers should probably be favored in this game. I think that Cleveland keeps it close, and the the Cleveland will win if Baker Mayfield does not turn the ball over um, and if Nick Chubb gets running, which the Steelers' uh, run defense isn't great, so hopefully that happens. Uh, I'll be biased and say Browns by two. Okay. All right. Yeah, I like that, Rob. Browns by 90. Big Ben's dust. Reese? Uh, I will take the Steelers to come back and win after a humiliating loss to the Chiefs. Um, 
I think we're undervaluing Mike Tomlin as a winning head coach. Um, he wins big games. He wins divisional games. Um, and he certainly wins games after they've been in a blowout loss the following week. So um, I, I really want to take Pittsburgh in this one. I'm going to take Pittsburgh. I agree with Dan. I think that Pittsburgh should honestly be favored in this game. Um, I'm kind of surprised that they're not. I would say like mine, I think the line should be like minus one Pittsburgh, but it, since it's plus three Pittsburgh, I'm going to take Pittsburgh in the points. Um, but yeah, that's, I think, I think, I think that's what's going to happen. And I think Cleveland is, is in denial if it thinks that it doesn't need to be looking for another quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Brown should totally try to go get Gardner Minshew and then fix the O-line. I think that solves every problem. Totally. Uh, and Brown's, yep. Brown's O-line is one of the best in the league. Really, Never yeah, mind. O-line's pretty good. Then here's my problem with the Browns. They just need to get – they need to get. They need to trade Kareem Hunt for something. Like, they don't need that much presence in their backfield with Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson. You need to just trust Chubb, I think. Yeah. Try to oh, the, 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 Who's the trading one... you for Kareem Hunt? You can get a third. Yeah, yeah. You could probably you could probably get a third or a fourth. But um, I'll, I'll say this about about Browns finding a new quarterback. The Browns are in a weird position where, when healthy, Baker is probably like Dalton line. Like he's like just good enough that it like what like who's the replacement? Who's who are the Browns going to replace Baker Mayfield with? Like this QB class is trash. Like you know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, whatever, uh, Russell Wilson, they're not going to come to Cleveland. Not, like who, like who's going to want to come to Cleveland. So I think that the Browns are in this weird position where Baker Mayfield's not good enough to win, you know, like be a elite quarterback, but he's also too good to like have a viable replacement. Dan, let me ask you this. Is LeBron James a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield? Uh, no. <laughs> All right. Thank, thankfully no, no. Um, but LeBron James maybe should go to Cleveland and try it out and let's see what yeah. happens. That'd be pretty fun. Um, those are our matchups. Anyone got anything left to say about what's going on? It's the last week. Uh, I never... gonna... Oh, go ahead, Robbie. Who's going to be the Jaguars head coach next year? Oh, they interviewed Dan Quinn or they inter- they requested to interview Dan Quinn. Can you believe that? Dan Quinn's definitely the hottest hire next season. That is so <laughs> stupid. That is so stupid. If they hire Dan Quinn, they truly are. They truly deserve to win two games a year. After, I mean, you go from Urban Meyer to Dan Quinn. That's like you deserve to lose 14 games. Sorry, Here's Jason. the deal. I feel like Dan Quinn goes to Jacksonville and takes them to a Super Bowl within three years. Jason, what are you saying? That's what I think. I don't oh, know why. It doesn't matter because you can't just say, oh, I think X happens in three years because that nobody would be accountable for it. That would be so Falcons, so very Falcons. Yeah. But I just I I do not see it happening. I don't that's see exactly it happening. What he did on the Falcons, he brought them to within a Super Bowl and then sucked. And that's what he would do on the Jaguars. He would get them all hyped up, spout some brotherhood bullshit. Get Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. But uh, he would get them in the playoffs at least. I guarantee. 
uh, if he were the Jaguars coach within two years, he would get them in the playoffs. <laughs> um, I, I strongly disagree. I think that uh, the Colts and their awesome head coach have a strong stronghold on that division. And I, I mean, I know that the Titans are in the lead, but I just don't see that being the future of the division. I think that's like the next two, maybe three years of the division is going to be like the Titans and the Colts. But in the long run, I think the Colts are like one of the most competent, well-rounded organizations. So I, I, I could not see Dan Quinn stepping in with, with Trevor Lawrence and just taking them to the playoffs in three years. I never said that they would win the division. I just said that they would win the Super Bowl. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, Brady didn't win his division last year, and they won the Super Bowl. So, I guess you're right. I guess that's not a. It's not a qualifying um, thing. Um, and before we go, Jason, oh. I want to I want to give my opinion on what's going to happen in the Sunday night game between Minnesota and Green Bay because I didn't get to do so, and because we got distracted, and I started talking about Aaron Rodgers, who I love, and you can probably tell that based on that conversation. Um, but I, I, I looked up the weather in Green Bay on January 2nd, which is when this game will be played. It's going to be 13 degrees, 13 degrees. Um, and there's, there's little to no chance of rain, which is good because, you know, it would be nasty and snowy and whatever. But it's going to be cold and frigid, and it's going to be hard for Minnesota to go into Lambo with 13 degree temperatures and score a lot of points because I initially was on the same thought process that it's going to be a blowout but in 13 degree weather I think it's going to be hard for them to to have a blowout and I think the Green Bay Packers are going to win. Rob? Kirk Cousins got bigger hands than Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> we'll find out. Rob, yes, take this? yes, but Kirk Cousins is like 0-25 in primetime games, in nationally televised games. So it's, it's just not possible. I would be surprised. I would not be the absolute least if Devontae Adams had 200 yards and two touchdowns. I don't think I would be surprised whatsoever. I would probably be surprised if he had less than that. Yeah. No, it makes sense. And uh, it's the last week of fantasy playoffs. I guess start your Devontae Adams. Don't start any of the Browns or Steelers players. Don't start a Minnesota Vikings wide receiver. Please don't do it. I know if you have if you have any wide receiver one on your bench that's even plausible, like even if you have Jacoby Myers, throw him in there ahead of Justin Jefferson because he's going to get like 42 yards. <laughs> It's going to be sad. It's going to be so sad. You heard it here. Reset <laughs> start Jacoby Myers over Justin Jefferson. Well, I think that's a great way to end it on the hottest take fucking possible. Yeah, that was best for last right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't get much better than that. Unless Robbie comes back with his guitar to sing us a song. I think that'll do it. Um, no chance. Episode five of the Fantasy Football Boys, the average football enjoyers. This has been so much fun. Thanks for joining me, Dan, Reese, Robbie. This was Jason. We are the football enjoyers. Peace out.